In this episode, Mercedes Corona and I are going to be discussing a bad therapy example from one of your fellow listeners. My hope here is that you get a clearer idea of what therapy is supposed to look like for you and also what it's not supposed to look like for you. My name is Justin Sinceri. Mercedes and I are licensed marriage and family therapists. Welcome to Stuck Not Broken. This podcast is not therapy, nor is it intended to be a replacement for therapy. Uh, it's also not a clinical consultation, and you should not be taking it that way. This is really Mercedes and I just kind of sharing the thoughts that pop into our mind when it comes to this. This is not supposed to be exhaustive. There could absolutely be laws and ethics and norms that we missed that maybe you think of. And feel free to reach out to me at justinlmft at gmail.com. But don't take this as like an exhaustive discussion about these topics. All right, here we go. Welcome, Mercedes, back to Stuck Not Broken. Super happy to have you here. Hi, I'm happy to be here. I'm so excited. Best friend of the podcast. Best friends. All right, we have an email. This came like months ago. Uh, and it's, it's specifically, they, they requested that you uh, be a part of this. So this person says, I'm t- I just name. have to say, I'm touched. That's awesome. So okay. whoever this is. Well, I haven't said thanks. why they wanted you to be a part of it, though. But, okay, now you make it, like, <laughs> uh, okay. I'm like, it's got to be a positive thing, right? But maybe it's not. Okay, go ahead. Give me a, make up a name. Robin. Robin, I like that. That's good. All right, Robin uh, sent this to me through Instagram, like, months ago. Robin says, I hope if you, and I, did, I added it a little bit, but she says, I hope if you okay. do an episode with this story that you include Mercedes. That's me. That's you. I love the humor and heart that she brings to these topics, even though it is clearly so cringy for her to hear these stories. (laughs) Oh, the bad therapy story? Yes. Because I know that Uh, there's an actual therapist, an actual person out there who's actually doing these things, and that, okay. It just shows how much she cares. Okay, so positive. She wants you here for a positive reason. These episodes are okay, a unique. You me. <laughs> these episodes are a unique and satisfying blend of touching and entertaining slash funny. I don't think I've come across anywhere else. Please pass this compliment along to her, regardless. So there you go. Compliment oh, has been passed. Thank you, thank you, person. We have named Robin. Thank you yes. so much. I wish I knew your real name. Okay. I want to preface this by saying we're not here to pick on therapists. I have not. I'm not a perfect therapist. I would never claim to be sure. to say I know everything about therapy. Yeah. And, okay. But, yeah. and I, I would even say there's sessions where I'm like, you know, I, I wish I could redo that one. Or I wish I had taken that mm-hmm. technique back. Um, so in no way are we, you know, putting ourselves on a pedestal we don't belong on, if that's the right way. I'm not sure if that's a phrase or, or whatever, but I put that out there. I Hopefully it makes sense. Okay, good. Um, Maybe the listeners will. I don't know. We'll find out. Understand. Okay. So... <laughs> There, it, there are some things that, like, no, no therapist is perfect. We make mistakes, but some, right. thing, some things are egregious. That's that's kind of the idea here. And some things are like, Absolutely. no, we really got to clear this up for, you know, for, for our listeners mm-hmm. here. Uh, Robin says, when I lived in the South, I saw an individual therapist and a couples therapist that were both mediocre, to say the least. Most of the story is about the couples therapist we saw, but the individual therapist did something distinctly off-putting that I want to mention. I was seeing her when I was engaged to my husband and was feeling more suicidal than I have, than I ever had in my life. I knew at the time and explained to her that it was an escape fantasy. 
And I was thinking about it a lot, and I was even thinking about how I do it, even though I was not actually planning or really wanting to do it. She told me that the anxiety and stress I felt was normal and expected for anyone planning a wedding. Wedding planning was stressful, but that was far from the reason I was thinking about killing myself. And I'm not sure how she didn't get that. In a session or two after I told her about my suicidal ideation, she joked about it, saying something like, See, now thinking about that feels pretty silly right now, right? That sound effect was like perfect. That's Mercedes like covering her mouth. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to stay calm and listen okay. to the rest of it. I got one more paragraph before we take, we'll get, we'll get your thoughts on it. All right. So Robin says, in parentheses, she put, except when she said that. So see, now thinking about that feels pretty silly now, right? Except when she said that, she named the specific way I was thinking about doing it. So I guess she had shared some details. I'm leaving okay. that, yeah, I'm leaving that detail out for the sake of your listeners. I appreciate that, Robin. Okay, so the, one more paragraph, and then we'll, we'll take a little break here. I think she says, uh, I think... She was maybe saying that to me in response to something positive I had said that day, like trying to show me that I was seeing my life, like like trying to show me that I was seeing my life wasn't so bad it needed to end. Oh, okay. But it felt so inappropriate okay. and minimizing. In general, seeing her didn't seem to be helping much, so instead of confronting her about anything, I just quit seeing her after a while. Years later, I learned that therapists receive training in the difference between passive and active suicidality. So her not taking it remotely seriously has made more sense, but still, she says, but still. So, uh, yeah, you covered your mouth, took a little okay. beat back there. Yeah. Uh, what came to your mind? If you, if you don't mind, leaving it's us not off. okay. That is like, what? Like, oh my gosh. Like to, cause she said that the therapist laughed at her. Right. Uh, and then I, was kind of yeah. like, is that what well, she, she said that she were those her words? she joked about it. So it wasn't like laughing she at joked her about like it. maniacally, but it was like she joked about it. Yeah. But joking about suicide to a person who felt suicidal actively and was vulnerable enough to bring that information to you for help and support. <laughs> not, no, not okay. So it's not okay. I think like for sure. Okay. Because I'm thinking about it and like for sure, like, you know, we have a thing amongst us therapists, like we joke about things that are probably inappropriate in the general public to joke about because we're, I don't want to say desensitized, but we're just so like inundated with certain information, certain types of information that one of the ways we cope. Yeah. It's like nurses have their own sense yeah. of humor. Police officers have exactly. their own sense of humor. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Doctors have their own sense of humor. Yeah. Like I'm not going to joke about suicide with the client. No. Like like soon after they've it sounds like it was a pretty soon after situation. It like, sounds it like it was like, like the next week. Huge, yeah, yeah it's, right. That's it's it's too soon. It, like if the client wants to joke about it, like after the fact, and it feels like an appropriate thing for them to do to cope with it to kind of normalize it, whatever. I'll go along with that, but I'm not going to initiate it so soon after it just feels so disrespectful yeah definitely. it feels disrespectful it feels minimizing it feels invalidating like what a ridiculous thing for you to think about like suicide that's yeah. that's so dumb for you to have like considered that 
it just feels really, really inappropriate. Yeah, absolutely. That's what my reaction was about. No, totally. Yeah, so the uh, the way that it sounds like Robin interpreted this, and I, I, this is this is my impression of it as well, was like it's minimizing. It's it's um, like it, it was more serious than just a wedding plan. Um, it was more serious than that just this one. Yeah, this one like facet of my life. There's more going on. I'm, I'm assuming, and it, I don't know Robin, and we have no idea. We're treating this just as like characters in a story. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it does. It did sound minimizing so it was like joking in a minimizing dismissing kind of ways is how i would take that yeah well i mean you brought up the other point that i thought was odd it like that's not the one that i was reacting to but the idea that to make the jump from wedding planning oh, to yeah. that being the cause of the suicide it, it i i hadn't even that didn't enter my mind while you were explaining like reading the the story so it was it's weird that the therapist made that jump like oh wedding planning is so stressful and that's why I don't know. That's a weird thing. It's that it does feel dismissive, and I, when people uh, bring up suicide, I tend to take that pretty seriously. <laughs> like I, I don't mean... freak out exactly, yeah. <laughs> but um, I definitely don't dismiss it. I definitely want to learn more. I want to know uh, what they're feeling, yeah. what they're thinking. Yeah, where are you at as far as planning and intention, and do you have the means to? So there's all these like suicide kind of assessment things that we can do. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I definitely don't want to not take it seriously. You know, if someone's to the point of right. like there's thoughts in their mind about death, uh, we're, right. we're already f- pretty far along on the spectrum of like perfectly well, you know, my, my well-being right. is at 100% to, you know, I'm not, I'm not alive right. anymore. Like you're, you're somewhere down that spectrum. Well, and, and to feel as, as the client to feel that this is the solution, meaning right. things feel so awful and so heavy yeah. and so overwhelming right now that I can't see a different way out. This is the end all be all solution to whatever situation is happening in life. You know, that's mm-hmm. a big thing. It has to be taken seriously because there's a lot of pain there. There's a lot of emotional pain, hurt, you know, whatever mm-hmm. stuff they've got going on that's big. I never... I don't, I don't think any of us should assume that someone's at that point of considering not being alive anymore because of the specific context of their life in that moment, you know, or, or in that mm-hmm. time. Like there's, there's an accumulation of things that get someone to that point, I think. Yeah. Not just, I don't think it's just like a wedding yeah. thing. And obviously we don't have all the information, but it it sounds like just, just from what we do have, it sounds like there could have been more exploration because if it is connected to the wedding planning, I don't want to invalidate that either. It just doesn't, it, I'm, I'm assuming there's more to it than that. And so for the therapist not to have yeah. explored, and again, we don't have all the information, so maybe I'm assuming here, but to not yeah. further explore that, like, hey, what's going on? What do you think brought you here? You know what? Like, you know, just kind of getting into it. I yeah. don't know. Now, what? so this, Robin had said at the end there, I learned that therapists receive training in the difference between passive and active suicidality, which I guess that's a good way to put it. Yeah, I mean, I would say, yeah, we, I guess yeah. we suppose we do. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't remember having it termed that way, but I understand, you know, what she's trying to say there. Yeah. I, I've definitely, I think I've probably used those terms when like admin, like principals come to you and say, hey, this, like if a kid mentions suicide or like wanting to harm someone, they tend to like escalate and like freak out like, oh my God. And so in my mind, I'm like, right. well, slow down, hold up. 
like where are we at on that spectrum of, you know, it's just like an idea to they're planning it, mm -hmm. they intend to do it, and there's an imminent, there's a means, and it's like it's imminent. So for me, it's like if mm -hmm. there's if it's thoughts in their mind, yeah, I guess you could call that pass. I don't even think I would call that passive suicidality because it's not it's ideation. To me, it's to me, it's like it, it's like. I mean, it, you know, it's, I, I think you can yeah. call it ideation right. if they say I'm going to kill yeah. my, like any version of that, I think is ideation. But I think for me, it's like sometimes, especially when working with kids, sometimes it's more an expression of feeling oh, yeah. like I feel so awful that I want to die. But, yeah. but there's the difference between expressing an emotion in pretty, pretty significant terms, sure. pretty severe terms sure. or expressing an intent of action. You know, I intend to do this. Those are two different things. Absolutely, yeah. So I think I've probably told, you know, the staff we work with, like they're not actively suicidal. Like it's, it's not. They, mm -hmm. you know, it's obviously a thought in their brain. It's something that we need to, to monitor and and whatnot. But they're not at a point where they're actively going to, to act. You know, to act on that. Right. So I, I've probably used those phrases. Actively yeah, act. Yeah. I think I've used that phrase before, <laughs> but still, it's like. Yeah, we gotta treat it seriously. We don't we don't dismiss this stuff. It's like what are the big ones, you know? Like there's a few really big things that we're trained to kind of like never like like never ignore this. And suicide is one of them. Yeah, it's yeah. not something that you you dismiss or put on the back burner. Yeah, it's, you don't mess around yeah. with it. Uh -uh. Yeah. Robin okay. goes on to say the couple's therapist my husband and I saw was questionable from the start. We wanted we chose her because we wanted a secular therapist. And she was one of the few in our location that did not that did not specify her religion online. On the first day, she talked to us briefly individually. She said it was oh, she said it was to ask about physical abuse, which she did. But also, she talked to me for a while about my my side of things. But I don't think she did that with my husband because they spent much less time together. I have been a part of couples therapy two other times. And the other couples therapists didn't do that. I haven't done couples therapy, so I don't really know what the norms are for, you know, like intake and assessment. So I, I can't really comment on that. I don't, do you have any yeah. insight on that? Um, oh, it's been a minute since I've done couples therapy, but um, I think it's, I think it's, it, you know, it's one of those clinical judgment things, first, yeah. first of all. Um, so you kind of have to like feel it out. So, for example, like the physical abuse thing, I think that's it. That's smart. It's safe and smart to to take them separately and check in. Hey, you know, like if, if a clinician, if a therapist has, you know, any indication for that, I think that's a good thing to do. But as a couples therapist, one of the like one of the big things you have to focus on or, or just keep in mind is is making sure that both client because it's two clients, right? It's at, at least two people, um, a couple, I guess it's two people, <laughs> um, but that each person feels heard and listened to and understood more or less at the same level as the other person. It, it, mm. There can't be, there can't be this feeling of imbalance or unfairness because then it won't work because a therapist should be neutral. And when there are two people, the therapist should be neutral to both. So the piece about spending way more time with her than with her partner, that's a little okay. wonky. I would, ex that's I would expect that if that did happen, that they would at least explain and have like a no secrets clause. Like it's pretty mm -hmm. common for couples therapy, right? So mm -hmm. absolutely. That's definitely one of the things that 
a person has to have as a couples therapist is that no secrets thing. Um, within reason, you know, because there is the, if there's concerns oh, yeah, about yeah, abuse yeah, yeah, or yeah, domestic yeah. violence. And that's why they, they But other than that, yeah. like, yeah. yeah. And then usually everything happens together. Because if you're here for couples counseling, we're going to meet together. I w- yeah, I would think so. Yeah. I, so I, I, there's no like major red flags for me as far as this goes. I would hope the therapist yeah. is transparent about, hey, I spent more time with this person because this came up or, or whatever, as long as it was like appropriate to disclose mm-hmm. that. So Robin goes on to say, right. also on the first day, we all went over her contract together. In her contract, she said that we were not to see other therapists at the same time. This was my husband's first therapy experience, but far from my first. That really stood out to me, so I asked about it. She said the reason was something like, so two people weren't telling us different things to do. I still thought it was very weird. She had not, she had that in her contract because what if we wanted to check out a few first sessions with other therapists before committing? That's... That's not okay. (laughs) No. You're not the boss of what people do. If you're a therapist, like people come to you, you know, for support and and guidance or whatever, but they're free to do that with whoever they want. If they want to meet with five therapists at the same time, it might not be helpful, but if that's what they want to do, they can do it. It could. To be clear to the listener, don't suggest doing it, but you're, you're definitely able to kind of shop around yeah. and kind of find who feels like the right fit. Definitely. Yeah. You're allowed to do that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and so when I meet with clients for the first time, I tell them, look, I don't assume we're going to meet again. This is a chance for us to feel each other out and see if we're a good fit. Yeah. And I might not be a good fit for you. And that's mm-hmm. completely okay. So as part of, it sounds like what was, what this was, was part of it, like an informed consent. And so an informed consent, yeah. that's normal. That That's about like finances and insurance mm-hmm. and confidentiality all the information yeah, you need to know policies to make an educated decision. But yeah. I've never heard of an informed consent, if that's what this is, involving, hey, you can't talk to other people. You're yeah. not allowed. <laughs> You're not allowed to have another friend besides me. <laughs> We're best friends. <laughs> Doesn't it feel yeah. like that? Like, Kinda, yeah. I shouldn't mock. I. I shouldn't mock, but it just seems silly because I, no. I feel like for me, if I'm confident in my abilities and 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 there's always, always, always going to be the, the possibility that a person just doesn't fit right. with a therapist, right. always. But if I'm confident in my abilities and I feel pretty, pretty certain that I can provide support, I can provide help to the client, do what you got to do, man. Go check out everybody else in the area if you want. And then Absolutely. if I'm the right one, I'm here. And yeah. if I'm not, that's okay. Somebody else can help you. So I would add to that, um, you mentioned you can have five therapists if you want. Now, I, what I would say to that is, obviously, I don't recommend that whatsoever, like you said. It's not recommended. No, no, no. no. <laughs> but as a therapist, if I hear you're seeing four other therapists, I might say, you know what, I don't think that I'm being, I don't think that that whole situation is helpful in my clinical opinion. I don't recommend this. And I think it's okay for mm-hmm. me to step back. And if there's something I'm providing that's unique, uh, that might be okay with like an, maybe one of the therapists. I wouldn't say... I know you're exaggerating, but yeah. just so people don't take that right. super literally. I think it's okay to right. have, like, you, you could totally have one. And it's not that uncommon in, in the school district where a kid has a therapist that focuses on school behavior and a therapist outside of the school right. that might focus on other things. Right. Or one therapist for family therapy 
and one therapist for individual. And I think I, I don't, I'm not an expert on couple stuff, but I don't think it's super uncommon to have a different therapist for individual work versus couples work, right? Right. Unless you know differently. I agree. Yeah. Right. This is not a standard informed consent clause. Yet. It's just, I was just going to say, if, if there is a need for multiple therapists, say I'm working on certain, you know, whatever this issue with a client and Justin is working on a different issue with a client, best practice would be that we get a release of information to communicate with each other. And that way we can collaborate yeah. and say, Hey, yeah. here's kind of my approach. Here's what I'm doing. Kind of, kind of, you know, working together over, not overlapping, but like just complimenting each other without contradicting each right. other and without doubling up on, Service, you know, yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Cause then we're both charging for services for the same service yeah. for the same stuff. Right. And that's not, that's no, just not that's, fair. That would be like an unethical thing on our end to accept money for something yeah. they're already receiving. I think that would be pretty wrong. Okay. Yeah. So there's a little bit of wiggle room, but having it in a contract is, that's not, I wouldn't say that's normal for therapists whatsoever. No, I don't, that, I, oh, yeah. I have a comment to make and I don't know if it's appropriate. I could take it out if you like. <laughs> it's not, it's not like inappropriate. I just, it, it feels like that speaks more to that therapist's, um, ego or what am I trying to say? Like, it feels like that's the therapist trying to cover themselves in some weird way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I wouldn't say it has the best interest of the client. Like you're not thinking about what the client needs. Right, right. It's really about taking care of themselves as the therapist by putting that into the contract. Yeah, I can see where we're coming from. Just a brief part here. Um, Robin says, the therapist frequently told her own personal stories that were not particularly useful to my husband or me. It generally seemed too frequent for her responses to our things to be about her. I'd been to enough therapy to know it wasn't supposed to be like that. So just real quick, for me, yeah, personal disclosure. It's an iffy area. There's a gray area here. It's not always a bad thing. It can be helpful. I don't do a whole lot of personal disclosure, uh, but it's not out of the norm Mm -hmm. for therapists to like do a bit of personal disclosure. Well, and for me, it's like if it gets to the point where the client is noticing, like, this is a little much, it, it's not okay. Because I, I, I completely agree with you. I think there's there's room for personal disclosure. But for me, it would only, only, only ever happen, first, if there's a strong enough rapport. And second, if if the personal disclosure in some way serves the client. Not because Mercedes wants to share about her life but because it does the client some good in some way. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. That's the only reason to do it. The uh, Well, actually, let me challenge you on that. I'll, I'll add to that because okay. I think it could be, and this, I've done this once. I never, except for once, share my religious beliefs, my political beliefs. Like, I don't, that doesn't have a part in therapy, but there was, right. there was one client where they were deeply religious. And I'm an atheist. And usually that's not an issue. I was raised Catholic and I get it. I can, mm-hmm. I can use the terminology and the concepts and I was baptized and had um, different sacraments and blah, blah, blah. So, but with this one yeah. client, I felt like me with me keeping that back and trying to use their terminology, like I wasn't able to meet them on that level they were needing. And so pretty quick, mm-hmm. I said, look, I, I got to be honest with you. I feel like this is a hindrance on my end. I feel like I'm a hindrance to you if I don't 
put this mm-hmm. out there and say, you know, I, I don't I don't believe yeah. in this stuff and I have to be totally honest with you about that. It just felt like the right move to me and they were appreciative of that. And I think it actually kind of helped in a way. Yeah. So it wasn't self-serving, but it was yeah. more like, I don't know how helpful I can be if, if I withhold this from you, you know? Yeah. I, 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 like, I agree with what you did there because like you said, it wasn't self-serving at all. In fact, it, it, some could argue it was actually the opposite of self-serving, but I think it's, it's transparency with the client. It's keeping the client's best interest in mind and understanding that if, if a person's faith is so essential and critical to them within the treatment process that, you know, that piece of information, personal information is necessary to know. I think that, I think that's the right thing to do. That's the ethical thing to do is to share, look, is, is, is this okay or not? It's important for you to know. I think that's the right thing to do. Yeah. And so that one in particular, they ended up saying, okay, I'll get my spiritual needs met from my pastor and I'll talk with you about my emotional stuff. Mm -hmm. And we had a clear differentiation. It's like, okay, I can do that for you. Sure. Robin goes on to say, in maybe our second or third session, my husband and I brought up some sexual issues connected to different interests with kink. This is partially why we wanted a secular therapist. We needed someone sex positive and assumed our best bet was with someone who didn't explicitly put Christian on their Psychology Today profile. Let's just say her poker face needed work. Her overall message. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. I wish I could see that. I wish I could see that. I know, me too. Her overall message to us was indeed relevant and helpful. Okay. So was indeed relevant and helpful. More appreciation for the good aspects and less doing things we don't really want to do. The sad thing was I could tell she was trying not to be shaming but she was so bad at it. I remember a specific... <laughs> She's trying, though. She's trying. She's trying. Yeah, I got to give it to her. I remember a specific thing she said <laughs> that was trying to be empathizing slash validating with some of the kink one of us wanted. And I remember after her initial shock of when we first brought up sex issues that it looked like she tried to keep her face under control. She was just clearly out of her element. I feel bad for her now, the therapist. (laughs) Yeah. It sounds like she was trying and like... She should have just like... I don't know. ...packed it up and said, all right, good meeting with you. I don't think I'm the right therapist for you. That would probably be the best thing is, look, I don't think I can help you out. Um, I've had... Now that I'm working with adults, I've had a couple of adult clients bring up sexual stuff, right? And like, I, I, that's not something I specialize mm-hmm. in. I've never worked with like sexual issues I have. And this actually has to do with what's coming up. I have zero training like specifically in like treating or helping somebody with sexual issues. And uh, so it's like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I tell them flat out, like, I don't think it's something I'd be able to work with you on. If there's some emotional stuff around that, we could talk about that. But something like this, I'd be like, I don't think I'm the right person for you. I think that would be the best thing to do. I think I, I do want to kind of give the therapist a little bit of credit because she was really trying. I think <laughs> I shouldn't generous. laugh, but I think in in my, tra- <laughs> well, in my training, 
both in school and like gaining experience, like as a baby clinician, as a baby therapist, like, like gaining experience. One of the big things that I learned and, and was actively taught is look like you need to be okay with all of it. You need to learn to, to say the words that the, the clients will say to, to go to the place that the clients will go, except for, for sure. There's going to be some of those things, you know, we, we all have our own personal stuff, you know, be it religion related or, or whatever beliefs, whatever, whatever kind of thing. If, as long as it's not a giant red flag for us, you, like you have to get used to saying all the words, all the things, all oh, like wrap yeah. your mind around that and learn how to be yep. neutral and accepting and, and listening. And it sounds like this, like I said, I was trying to give her credit because she was trying, was but if you can't do it, then don't do it. If you, if you can't absorb information without reacting in a, you know, you know what? What's the word? That's I'm exactly for? it. You you have you have what? to use the safety word at that point. The the therapist has to use the safety word. They have to say banana, banana. <laughs> Are you taking this out? Yeah, I might not. That's pretty. <laughs> you threw me that off, really... man, and I'm already thrown off because I can't see your oh, face. Sorry. That actually really works because I mean the whole kink thing, safety word. The therapist should be able to say platypus. No, I get I'm it. Out. I'm out. I get it. <laughs> I was like trying to make a point. Now I don't even remember I'm what sorry, I was saying. Yeah, it just popped in my mind. That was perfect. That's your fault. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to take a break right here. And this is actually a good spot because there's like some tech difficulties. We're going to sound a bit different after the break. But I wanted to tell you about Polyvagal 101. That's a course that I have that really teaches you essentials of the polyvagal theory. I think this is absolutely, absolutely essential information for my fellow therapists and also therapeers like coaches and whatnot. I think this is like we, we have to have that information in order to, to provide, I think, more effective uh, services to our clients and understand better, you know, what's going on. So it's called Polyvagal 101. It's on my website, justinlmft.com. I have a pre-recorded course version, but I also have um, some upcoming live opportunities to experience it in a different way. So head to the website to find out the next live opportunity or just to buy the course as it is um, and, and to, you know, run through it each module uh, and it's pre-recorded version. Again, it's on justinlmft.com. So let's get back. I, I got us off track with uh, safety words. Let's, let's get back here. That's right. You did. <laughs> I was in the middle of something, and I don't even know if I finished. I know. I'm sorry. We had uh, technical issues. We'll get, yes. so let, me, let me go back a couple sentences. I remember a specific thing she said that was trying to trying to be empathizing slash validating with, with some of the kink one of us wanted. And I remember after her initial shock of when we first brought up sex, sex issues, that it looked like she tried to keep her face under control. She was just clearly out of her element. So we were kind of talking about, you know, if you're not comfortable with it, either be prepared for stuff mm -hmm. that's going to come up, or I was recommending just kind of tap out and say, I don't think I can really help you with this. Yes. Okay. Yes. I would say... <laughs> that something like this, I send my assessments out ahead of time to give people a chance to fill them, you know, virtually just to provide mm -hmm. whatever information they want. And that way I can look at it ahead of time and say, uh, I don't know if I'd be a really good fit for what you're looking for. Yes. So that, that would be another good, I mean, even before coming in the room and doing all this. Um, to yeah, give because a then, sorry for interrupting. No. I think then you'd have as, as the therapist, then you'd have a little bit of a heads up, like, oh, they want to do this and this and this as far as like, you know, treatment topics. 
Um, and this one is something I'm uncomfortable with. And then you can have a transparent conversation with them during the informed consent piece and say, you know what, I, right. you know, I don't think this is like, I don't think I can help you with this piece of it. it. That would just be the right thing to do, the ethical thing to do, because then in the future in treatment, you don't want to be having to control your face unsuccessfully and giving the impression that, you know, yeah. it's not okay. Something's wrong, you know. Yeah, and that's totally okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We don't have to know everything as therapists. Like, it's completely okay to say, I don't well, know if I can help you. Yeah, and we have to know our limits because yeah. understanding our limits as therapists is just a different way of taking care of the client. Because if I can't help you, someone else can. And and I want you to have that help. Unless it's in a contract that you can't see anybody else. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> and then you're the my client. therapist you're allowed to see. <laughs> Mm-mm. All right, Robin goes on to say, the way she communicated about sex with us was so unprofessional. One thing she said was, y'all need more appreciation. And something along the lines of, it's a wonderful thing someone wants to have sex. Nice. Sorry, I'm not very mature. It's a wonderful <laughs> thing someone wants to have sex with you. Enjoy that. That, oh my God. I don't think she meant, I don't think she meant that like we were so disgusting. It was amazing. We had found someone, but that's why I was laughing. That's kind of how I, how I took it, but rather trying to get us into the mindset of gratitude. That's nice. Sure. But it really doing it right. So uh, she (laughs) says it really bypassed the issues and easily could have been taken the wrong way. And like when I read that, that's exactly how I read it It was like, oh, wow, it's kind of insulting. Yeah. Yeah. She also instructed us to only have vanilla penetrative sex. And there were some kind of implication that being quote unquote natural would fix things between us, maybe even on a deeper level beyond the sexual differences. That instruction and implication, the right sex would fix things, didn't sit right with me on many levels. I'm not sure we went back after that session. We only saw her a handful of times and never confronted her about anything because it didn't seem like the therapeutic relationship was worth trying to work on. It was just getting more and more dubious she clearly was not a good fit i mean fair enough fair enough not a good fit agree completely yeah i wish that that could have been identified way earlier on maybe even in the assessment this is what we're looking for and the therapist could have said oh i'm not the right fit for you but here's a referral or a resource that you can go to uh, Mm -hmm. for people who specialize or a way to find someone who specializes in that maybe uh so I, i wish it would have been discovered earlier that would have been the best course of action is is having some sort of a not a screening process but just like a that assessment tool up front because here as the client here's what I want here's what I'm looking for and as a therapist I can either address that or not because (laughs) to to specifically say why don't you stop doing the thing that you're into and just do it this way instead? That's not okay. I wonder if that's more for the benefit of the client or for the therapist. Right. You know? Right. It 
honestly, it feels to one. me, it feel right. <laughs> the vanilla way. Vanilla. Honestly, it feels to me like that is about the comfort of the therapist, not the wellness of the clients. So this and would be, yeah, um, this would be why. Well, so it's look, therapists, I don't think it's out of the norm for therapists to give advice. That doesn't mean it's always good advice. Right. But I don't personally give advice. Uh, I may, I make clear to my clients, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. We'll figure that out. We'll come mm -hmm. up with options. We'll weigh pros and cons. So I don't think it's abnormal for a therapist to say, hey, try this out. Uh, I think when it comes to something that right. you're not knowledgeable about, like I wouldn't tell a deeply devout Catholic how to pray because I don't mm -hmm. do that at all. So mm -hmm. for me to be like, oh, just do it this way. It's like, it's, I'm, I'm right. not coming from a, a good enough knowledge base. Well, actually, I actually do have pretty good knowledge of Catholicism. So if it was some other example. religion, yeah, some other religion <laughs> that I didn't know anything about, that probably right. wouldn't be ideal. I understand where you were trying to go with that. Okay. All right. <laughs> but I think, I, I think you're right. I think we're, I was taught not to give advice. I think giving advice and giving suggestions or ideas, mm. I think those are two different sure. things, you know? Abs yeah, yeah. Like, hey, what, like, what would you think, you know, suggestions, like, what would you think about this? Or what would happen if you tried this? Versus idea, not, not ideas, excuse me, versus advice of like, do it this way. Th those are two different things. And, and for sure, I think there are times that we do give advice, but we're not strictly supposed to, like, it shouldn't be like, do not it really. this way. This is the only way to do yeah. it. You know, it's uh, the way that I see it is more kind of the suggestions, the exploration process, like what it like, let's right. problem solve together. Let's figure it out. What do you think would work? So for this therapist, I think I said this already, but for the therapist to outright say, do this, this might work clearly right. that's not okay because they specifically came in with something different in right. mind not okay. so one thing i want to add here is it's i don't think you have to explain to the therapist why you're leaving i think it's could be helpful feedback can be helpful but you, you have no obligation to to do that and so yeah if it's not working out it's not working out that's it yeah i think that's a hard conversation to have i think any client that wants to you're definitely welcome to i think um a good therapist, and I understand we're talking about bad therapy right now, <laughs> but a good therapist will be able to hear that feedback and then use it constructively. Um, but it's a difficult thing to do. And, and Justin's right. You're under no obligation to, to explain anything. You are yeah. the client. You are the one receiving the service. We are the ones providing the service. If you are dissatisfied yeah. with the service, you can seek the service elsewhere. That's perfectly within your rights. All right, last part here. I didn't find out until years later that only sex therapists go through special training for sexual issues. Mm -hmm. I can't believe there isn't more of a basic level of training regarding handling sexual issues for all therapists. Sex is a part of life and a place where so many things can go wrong. Surely, mm -hmm. lots of people want to talk about it in therapy? Question mark. It seems like too mainstream of a topic to be treated so niche with training. Funny enough, what I learned from this couple's therapy experience inspired me to look for a sex therapist for individual therapy 
after we moved to a bigger city and a different state. That therapist has changed my life. She was Good. also, yeah, she was also the first truly trauma-informed therapist that I have ever been to. What a difference that training makes. That, that piece Happy astounds ending. me. The trauma-informed thing astounds me. Because oh, it sounds like yeah. this person, Robin, we're calling her, it sounds like Robin has some experience with therapists. And to feel yeah. like this this most recent one she spoke about is the first one that was trauma-informed, that feels like a huge problem for me. Uh, yeah, so th that brings up, and she makes a really good point about the whole, you know, uh, sex training. Sexuality thing. Yeah. I, I, so I took a course. Is that not, I took a course there that was required for my, you know, program, or I don't, like, I don't know if it was the school I went to or what, but I took a, a course on human sexuality and, you know, like, like, you know, it covered the basics and a little bit more and. Yeah, that sounds, that it sounds familiar. I don't know if I took a course that would prepare me to help people with their sexual, you know, uh, what, what they want to change or whatever. I, like, I wouldn't even know. No, I, I, I don't mean, feel like I was equipped for that. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I feel like in a basic way, I could, like if I had a client come to me with certain sexual concerns or questions or whatever thing i feel like okay. i could handle it pretty pretty you know adeptly um to a certain extent like i there are definitely therapists that specialize in in sex therapy I, she makes a good point i don't know if it sounds like i'm arguing or not <laughs> she makes no, no. a good point i agree with her it's a great point i'm surprised that yeah i'm surprised that it, it feels that way not everyone you would think it would be like, yeah, maybe a basic level of training for us. Maybe I think we spend, I spent more time on like communication skills, that kind of like relationship kind of stuff, you know, but not, mm -hmm. not sex in particular and definitely not kink. Like I, I don't, I don't remember any classes that dealt yeah. with leather and whips and whatnot. Whips. Yeah. So actually, I don't even know. Is that, is that kink? I have no idea. <laughs> I think it involves hammocks and hammocks, <laughs> chairs hanging from the ceiling, swings. Justin, swing. Sorry, <laughs> don't ask me how I know. <laughs> she brings up a really good point, but even more so, the trauma-informed therapist thing. Like you, yes. this shocks me more than anything because it's so prevalent with absolutely yes. everybody that I've worked with, pretty much. That there is some level of trauma and so yeah. that seems like something that absolutely all of us should be getting but trauma-informed is a phrase we use but that doesn't even have a specific meaning exactly like it just doesn't you know what i mean like what You're are right. what we can what we consider trauma-informed with political theory and maybe um somatic kind of work like to me that's mm -hmm. trauma-informed um understanding attachment and whatnot I think if you ask somebody else, hey, what does trauma-informed mean? I think they would have a much different answer. That's true. Yeah. So there's no standard exactly. And so- I will say for me, I assume for you as well, since we're approximately the same age, it's been a quick minute since I've been in school. True. So, yeah, true. Like, I wonder what it looks like now. I wonder if things are a little different now, like as far as like the requirements for whatever trauma-informed means now. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know either. 
but I also am not really asking any <laughs> teachers. I'm curious though. I, I would love it if, uh, if you're a psychology teacher out there, email me, Justin therapy LMFT. Teacher, yeah, okay. Yeah. There, and if you're in therapy school, if you're teaching teaching in therapy school, email me, JustinLMFT at gmail.com. I would love to know what does trauma-informed mean to you? And, or are you teaching about what level of teaching is there around sexual uh, human sexuality but that means that i think it means something different though i don't know that's that's just the name of the course that i took in college right sorry not in college in graduate school and it did cover you know the basics but then there was also like i don't specifically remember like kinks but there was definitely um what do they call it like not vanilla like like it covered mm. some some topics and kind of uh, was ideas it, around not was vanilla it, sex okay but was it more about um what do you call it like deviance was it, was it framed that's as like the word deviant? I, that's the word i was looking for yes not okay. like that makes sense um not like pathological that's the word that's yeah thank you right <laughs> we have each other's words yeah um not Give like like sexual deviance but not pathology necessarily I, I think we did that at some other point okay that's it that's the end of her her message to me and you okay. she is. said that because um she loves she said i hope you do i hope you include mercedes i love the humor and heart that she brings to these topics even uh. though even though it is clearly so cringy for her to hear these stories it just shows how much she cares. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. I do care. Do, I don't I know, know if you're leaving all this in, but I do care. And I do cringe because goodness gracious, I I think my heart goes out to these clients who go through these stories. Sure. Because I find it so unacceptable and so far beyond what I can even conceptualize in my head yeah. for the therapeutic process like i i can't believe i don't want to say i don't believe these are true because i know for a fact they are right. true but right. but if i didn't know they were true i'd be like no way like there is no way a therapist would ever do that it's, it it boggles my mind where would you rate this story as far as um egregiousness egregiousness uh on a scale of one to ten? highly egregious to not egregious <laughs> zero ten ten is the most egregious okay i feel like we definitely have heard more egregious ones yeah uh this one feels oh i don't are you going to include this in yeah in the final version well Well, it's up to you i don't want to offend our our listener who specifically requested my presence here okay we'll try let's see uh, we we said okay. So the one ther- the the individual therapist was joking inappropriately. That was pretty bad. That was pretty bad. And then <laughs> I just like had a visual like image in my mind of the therapist like trying to control her poker face, but really just not succeeding. I would love to see that. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a six for the whole thing. The whole story, a six. I could see that. Yeah, I think I'm right it's on there with pretty, you. It's pretty egregious. Not the most egregious, but it's pretty, like, it's pretty unacceptable. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that. I mean, you, 
you're trying to advise and you took on a client that probably you shouldn't have been working with. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that, that's pretty darn bad. So which one was the one that was talking too much about herself? Was that the couples therapist or was that the individual therapist? The same one who can't keep a, a poker. See, yeah. See, like the more I think about it, it, it feels yeah. more and more egregious. Yeah. Thank you, Robin, for your story, your bad therapy story, and for specifically requesting Mercedes Corona. Uh, thank Mercedes. Thank you for uh, joining me for this bad therapy of episode. Of course. All right. Thank you for time. having me, Justin. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. Until next time. <laughs> Hey, thank you so much for hanging out with Mercedes and I here and talking about some bad therapy. Again, no one's perfect therapist, but these are things that we need to talk about and clear up things that are well outside the norm. If you want to reach out to me and share your own bad therapy story, I would love to hear it or read it. My uh, email is justinlmft at gmail.com. Again, justinlmft at gmail.com. Otherwise, thank you so much for being a part of this. And one more Big thank you to Mercedes Corona for joining me again on uh, this episode. I cannot wait to have you back on. It just feels right when you're here. All right, that's it. Bye. This and other content I create is not therapy, not intended to be therapy or be a replacement for therapy. Nothing in this creates or indicates a therapeutic relationship. Please consult with your therapist or seek for one in your area if you're experiencing mental health symptoms. Nothing should be understood to be specific life advice. It is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Is that your phone going off in the background? Yes, I'm sorry. Poor form. Poor Poor form. form. Poor form.